Well, hello, it's that time of the week again when I get to sit and record the intros and outros uh, to this week's uh, podcast. And in this particular podcast, it's an interview again this week. I thought it would be interesting to talk with one of our longest standing clients, uh, Rob Panting, who I've worked with uh, for nearly a decade. And I wanted to ask him all about suppliers and agencies and what in particular they look for when they're commissioning work. So what factors are there to building long-term sustainable relationships with your clients? What better way to answer a question like that than to bring in some people who I've worked with for a number of years, people who have built long-term relationships with us, clients of mine, people we are suppliers to. In this interview, I'm talking to the Oxfordshire Local Enterprise Partnership or Oxlep, and uh, Rob Panting, who is my client there. And I've worked with Rob over a number of years now, um, starting at the Hearing Dogs eight years ago and all the way up through various organisations to today. And so he is in a great position to help me understand what it is, what characteristics a business or a photography business should have that makes building those kind of relationships possible. Along with him, he's brought Leona, who is an apprentice uh, over at Oxlep. Uh, she's an amazing, an amazing person, uh, smart, uh, and working in the, the marketing department a lot of time for her, and I work with her all the time. Um, and also occasionally hear reference to Chris. Now, Chris is the work placement student. He's coming, he's at school, uh, and he came along as well at the same time, possibly because there was little else to do that day. Uh, so he sat in on the interview. So if you hear us laughing and mentioning uh, these names, uh, then that is what's going on. Leona actually has, uh, she's great to have in the interview as well because she's... She, being an apprentice, can give a little bit of insight into why she chose an apprenticeship over going to university. That might not be uh, on topic for everybody, uh, but for a parent like myself, it's really useful to hear the viewpoint of someone who is carving a really successful career out in marketing, having made a deliberate decision uh, that university was not the way to go. Enjoy this interview. I'm Rob Panting, the communications manager at the Oxfordshire Local Enterprise Partnership. I guess more importantly, I've uh, I've worked with you for seven or eight years now. I think we were trying to work it out. Yeah, we think it was. When did you start the Hearing Dogs? Twenty eleven. I thought it was because that's the year I started. But I started there in. I did my pitch for the work in November two thousand and ten. Yeah. First shoot January two thousand eleven with Ben Fogel. I think it was right. And then, then you joined... I joined in the spring, so I think it was March, That's April right. 2011. Yeah, I'd had, I'd had a run of very interesting characters down there because there was no one in that role. So, And then suddenly you, were, you emerged. Yeah. Always smart. You were always smart. I remember that. Thank you. Yeah. You always turned up in a suit, which I thought was funny. There were two things that struck me as funny. Obviously, having the last name Panting yes. at a dog's... A dog-based charity. In fact, if you put that into Google, Rob Panting Hearing Dogs, I think there is a post from 2012-2013. Hearing Dogs, great charity, by the way. Um, They ran uh, a national award called the Hearing Dog Awards, and someone had put on Twitter the organiser, which I wasn't, so I was quite pleased to receive that promotion. (laughs) Um, The organiser for the Hearing Dogs Awards is a guy called Rob Panting. I think it was retweeted about 250 times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it get, it, <laughs> nothing you, else gets you noticed. Your name, but you also always turn up in a suit, yeah. which 
for a gig where essentially we're going to be carrying dogs around and putting them into you know I thought it was very funny <laughs> uh, you always you, you always did look most stylish thank you um, so that was uh, eight years ago yes what, why, why did you end up working at Hearing Dogs what drew you in was that your background no so um, I think growing up you know, when you when you do your GCSEs and your and your A levels, you really, I think a lot of young people um, are undecided as to what they want to do. And I always had a real passion for for writing and communicating. Um, sports a big thing in my life, so football and cricket. I had the idea that I would be the next, you know, John Motson yeah. or Jonathan Agnew if you're into <laughs> Test match special. Um, that never really came to fruition. Um, did my A-levels, thought I'd go into some sort of English stroke media studies um, degree. Had a gap year, and during that gap year, I saw a trainee um, journalism role advertised within uh, Oxfordshire, a newspaper called The Oxford Journal, which um, unfortunately is no longer, no longer around, but a great grounding in terms of media and, and there's, PR. There's, there's a couple of places you've worked for that are no longer around. <laughs> yeah, I think it follows me around. For, yeah. Carefully, Yona. <laughs> you might need to be you know, just careful yeah. of watching what's going on. This is true. Um, so anyway, had two great years at the Oxford Journal and um, obviously developed a passion for, I guess, more for the written word as opposed to journalism or public relations. Um, but I felt as though public relations was probably more aligned with what I wanted to do. Journalism, even at a local level, is quite, you have to be quite cutthroat. You, you really have to want to get a story and I didn't have that drive to do it. So I moved into PR, did a qualification in public relations and since then worked for a number of different organisations. I, I quite like the people-based organisations, so whether that's third sector, so your, your, your charity sector, adult social care, I've worked within uh, adult social care for, for a few years, and then now on to a local enterprise partnership. So I, I won't um, give you the, the full spiel on it, um, but you've got 37 local enterprise partnerships or LEPs in England, and they're there to support the economic development of, of their uh, their represented areas. So we um, support economic growth in, in Oxfordshire, working with the the private sector and public sector. How long did you spend at the Hearing Dogs? So I was there for around two years. So we worked together for a couple of years. Yep. Um, and then you went to Affinity Trust. I went to Affinity Trust. Which yep. was working uh, nationally with uh, vulnerable people, people with learning difficulties, supported yep. living, supported living in the community, um, various other challenge uh, challenges. Um, and you took me with you. And I suppose the thread of the whole of this podcast uh, given it's about photog- or it's for photographers anyway, mm. is why on earth when our working relationship had been predominantly around dogs and working with people who uh, had support and assistance dogs, why would you take a photographer with you when clearly you stepped into a role where there would have been, I know there were because there were incumbent photographers at the time, what, what were the characteristics of a photographer that took that photographer across with you? Yeah, I, th- I think it was the first opportunity for me to um, to really take agencies that I'd worked with previously to a, to a new organisation. So um, for me, there, there are three key areas around agency support. So firstly, it's the customer service side of things. So for me, customer service is really important. And 
from the moment I met you and obviously um, through meeting you I met Sarah as well um, I think you offer fantastic customer service good you know personable approach to to what you to what you do um, which is really important secondly uh, and I think a lot of people would maybe have these the other way around I think quality comes second it's the customer service aspect that's that's really important to me um, quality is really important um, but for me it comes secondary to customer service I think your your photography speaks for itself it's fantastic um, you know the people element is is really um, you know where you where you shine in my opinion um, well, after two years of photographing dogs after with you. two years of photographing dogs exactly yeah, I, I've, I've just sort of gone back on myself there really but um, and then finally, it's the ongoing relationship as well, which is is really important. So understanding the needs of a of a client, um, massively important, I think, for for anyone in a in a comms and marketing position. So, um, so it was a chance really to bring you across and and really create almost a new brand for uh, Affinity Trust and style and approach. Um, I know for a fact if you go onto Affinity Trust website, some of those shots that um, that we took back in. 2013, 2014 are still they're still being used for their promotional mm. material. So clearly the the organisation really liked your style and approach. Or I just haven't taken a good shot since. Uh, well, or maybe not. <laughs> maybe um, I mean, I, I know you've you've had continued relationships there, and them. you're still working with them uh, as they've grown as an organisation. You've been to various parts of the UK for yeah for different shoots. Um, well, I think the first shoot I did with you was up in York. It was. No, was it was the Yorkshire Dales? It wasn't. I I I seem to remember. Is it was it Airedale near Bradford? Oh, maybe that's yeah. We drove for miles. We did drive. We we had you had you had four four and a half or three and a half hours in in your car with me. A lifetime. A lifetime. Yeah, exactly. It probably <laughs> felt like that. Um, I I I think actually that was probably where I was most impressed with you because as you say, Affinity Trust, they work with people who um, have learning disabilities, autism, mental health mm. problems, um, and and they, they live really positive lives actually, lives, and um, you know it's really important that the imagery portrays that, and I think you really took that on board to bring the best out of those people, because actually you know they have many challenges in their, in yeah. their lives. Um, I can remember some of the people that we met, you know, uh, you know, serious learning disabilities. Say, do you remember the very first, I, mean, I think it was the very first stop, because it was, a, we did about four locations that day, yeah. and it was the first one, and it was a young lady with severe learning difficulty, yeah. and her mum was there. That's right. And what I remember quite clearly, so this is the first one, and I remember quite clearly that she looked distressed and I spoke to the carers and I spoke to her mum yep. and you and it turned out that actually she was really happy Yeah. but the signalling was wrong and I remember thinking okay we now have a little bit of a challenge because in the end if I show a picture of her looking like this to her mum or her carer they will know that she's happy if I send a picture like this to the greater public, they'll think she's distressed yeah. because they don't have the access that I do or we do 
to the information behind the scenes. And I remember thinking, this is going to be a proper trick of timing. And, and it was. Mm. And there were moments in there where her expressions changed and they became familiar to us. Yes. And she suddenly looked to us happy. That's right. And then we had to clip in the shot real quick. Uh, and, but I remember thinking then, firstly, how inspiring it was to work with the carers in particular. I found her mum, her mum's love. I remember crying. I remember crying about mm. that shit because her mum was so completely giving to her daughter. Yeah. Because I think her daughter was, what, 25, 20, somewhere around there? If I got Something along those lines. And, and again, you know, this is part of the story that you realise with people with learning disabilities. That that was a supported living yeah. setup. If, you, if you're not aware of supported living, that is an arrangement where the person has their own home yeah. and you might have others with learning disabilities, autism, living in the same house and they, they have certain tiers of support. So it might be you have a live-in carer, you might have a carer that comes in to do a few particular tasks. Um, this lady, as you say, she had quite complex learning disabilities. Mm. So um, I think she had a permanent live-in Care, I think, or or, or at least there was a couple that would take it. Yeah, there was was residents there. That's right. They had had their own space as well. Yeah, Um, and trying to portray that actually this lady had independence is is actually is a real challenge. And as Mm. you say, Paul, it's it's trying to capture the right moment to demonstrate that. Um, And 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 I'm you know I'm sure you're you know you're you're very proud of the the shots that you oh yeah yeah yeah. 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 Um, well, I'm proud of the work we both did because the story we were trying to... Because, I mean, it was the longest brief I've ever had, about four and a half hours, yeah. if I remember correctly, chatting about what we were going to do because yeah. it was my first gig with you. A little bit of cricket in between there, probably. We talked a little bit of cricket and about... Uh, in fact, we were talking at the time about your search for a partner. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Congratulations Thank on that, being yeah, married. married, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, so it was a long brief talking about how we're going to try and portray or what it was you wanted to portray as a charity because mm. these were for your it was in-house I was working as an in-house photographer yeah. for you uh, as an agency to you um, and I'm really proud of what we did because what we did on the whole over the two years I think you were there for two years 18 months two years yeah, yeah and I'm still I'm still working with Affinity I still mm. go off and, and work with them and the, and the brief that I follow is still the brief that me and you laid out in that car journey, yeah. effectively. I know we'd had a written brief before, but actually sitting and talking about it. Mm. And put the portrayal of joy, effectively the portrayal of joy. Yeah. You know, yes, there are challenges and we need people who read these articles to put their hands in their pockets and donate and support. Yeah. And you know, there's a whole other a set of agendas. But in the end, what we're trying to do is show that life is good. Mm. You know, it's all about positivity, wasn't it? I remember that. Exactly. And I remember, um, you know, the the head of marketing at the time was saying to me, you know, what you really have to ensure is that there's not just positivity there, but there's also dignity as well. So um, the the point you made at the start about actually the the person who has supported the sort of expressions that she was giving, actually, because it's very difficult to get written permission for example uh, around that and there's a there's a whole, that's a whole other uh, another discussion there um but actually that person showing you know that they're enjoying the the, the photo shoot was actually it, it demonstrates the, the you know the positivity there which is which is really important i think well it has to i think it's the i mean we say this a lot as portrait photographers anyway you you have to genuinely care if mm. i'm going to point a camera at someone you have to care about that moment or it's just nothing there's there's no 
connection in the image. You know, and I've met photographers actually create beautiful images, but they feel dead. Yeah. And there are lots of reasons why that could be, but one of them from, you know, as I'm guessing, is that they don't connect, they're not in that moment. And I think you have to actually do that on each and every shoot. And the problem I have, not the problem, the challenge at the end of each of the shoots I did with Affinity, and then we went on to Box Care, and I'm still working with Affinity, is very often I'm in tears. Mm. You know, and there's that there's a, the exhilaration of knowing that you've given that person a good experience, but there's also, you know, you put yourself in those shoes, and I'm blessed to have you know my kids who, mm. <laughs> well, they have many challenges. Yeah, uh, you know, you you kind of feel, I don't know, you just there's just something really quite emotional about it, and I think you have also. to have that. I think you have to care like that. Yeah, I I, I think you so. did. You did when you were writing about it. I watched yeah. you do it. Yeah, and ultimately, as you say, if you're working for a charity or uh, an organisation that's part funded by donations, which um, Affinity Trust was, or may, may still be the case, I'm very certain it is. Um, you know, it's important that you you get that across, the fact that, um, you, you know, you do care about these people, and actually the work that you do is really important to, uh, to their lives and actually adding stability to their lives as well. I remember we went to another supported living accommodation where... There were three um, three guys in their twenties, two two lads and a, and a girl that had Down syndrome. That was in uh, Brown Hills. It was Canuck. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and um, we were trying to portray. Um, I think she was called Emily, actually. Yeah, we met her in a Oxfam shop. That's right. Yeah. So um, the thing that she needed in her life was both stability and. Um, you know, uh, having a, a regular life, uh, as yeah. it were. So, you know, she gets up, she goes to work, she comes home, she goes to the gym, comes back yeah. in the evening like anyone else. Um, but people don't understand. I, I think that people with disabilities, you know, they too live normal lives. You know, it's, it's the same with hearing dogs. You, you meet people who have, you know, hearing loss. And, um, you know, I remember working at hearing dogs and, you know, we would always talk about... Um, you know, being deaf as a, as a hidden disability, and that's exactly mm. what it is. If you walk past a deaf person in the street, um, you know, uh, the, you, you do not know that they have a hearing loss. Yeah. Um, so the, the hearing dogs brought visibility to that, uh, to that, yeah. uh, to that deaf person. Uh, right. So let's drag everything forward. So um, I mean, firstly, thank you because you've kept me as a client, sorry, as a supplier to you. Through all of these different roles, firstly with a, a you know an assistance dog charity, then through two charities, yeah, uh, with supported living and care mm-hmm. and community and all of those kind of things with people with learning disability, and now I work with you at a LEP. LEP, a yes. LEP. Le- was it learning education partnership? Almost local enterprise partnership. <laughs> so you mean no? <laughs> yeah, yeah. One out, of, one out of the three words. Uh, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about apprenticeships. Mm. Um, I don't know why they appeal to me. Um, now we tried to do to run an apprenticeship here. It turns out photography apprenticeships are very difficult. Uh, you're also in a different county to us. Yes. So we would have only we, just only just, but yeah. we wouldn't have got support from Oxfordshire. Um, and you, you help with apprenticeships out in the workplace. Why do you think apprenticeships are so powerful? I I think ultimately. Um, it goes back to young people when they're at school, you know, from the age of 15 on to 16, 17, GCSEs, A-levels. Um, 
I, I still think that there is a um, school of thought that for young people, the best career path is to do really well at GCSEs, do really, really well at A-levels, A and then go on to university, get a top-class degree, and then they go into a brilliant job. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. In, in fact, it's probably, I don't say seldom the case, because it works for a lot of people, but I think it's understanding what options are available to young people. So an apprenticeship effectively offers you work experience whilst you're learning. Um, you know, you're, you're paid as well. You're, you're, you're a fully-fledged member of, of, of the organisation that you belong to. Um, and for me, I think the best way of learning is actually on the job itself. So, yes, you are developing that theoretical um, side of things through your uh, qualification. Um, and as an organisation, we... Um, we have a, an apprentice who's sat to my left, Leona, um, who's fantastic. Genuinely, <laughs> genuinely, not not because Leona sat there, but genuinely, she she is. Um, uh, but we ensure that she has enough time to to study, which is really important. Understanding the the theoretical stuff behind PR and um, uh, and media relations. So my qualification, I I did my. Um, PR qualification, which is a CIPR um, uh, diploma. Yeah, I did that. Oh, two thousand and eight, I think now. So a long time ago. Um, but there is theory around behaviours and understanding how um, you know press relationships and nurture. So there's a lot of psychology behind it, and um, you know, understanding that actually, as organisations, you need to give a little bit. To get something back so you know if there's a negative story out there about your organization you know it's important that you still have an open door to a journalist and actually say you know we're willing to work with you on this and provide you with comment you need to manage it in a fair way because actually what gives you the right to then turn around when you have a positive story to push yeah and say do you know what we only want to interact with you when we've got something good to tell yeah um, so that's really, really important to understand the theory behind it. Um, I guess getting back to apprenticeships, which was your original question, Paul. Um, <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you touched on an interesting topic. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah occasionally do. Um, so we could use you as an advisor in here. Potentially, yeah. I mean, we, at Oxlep, we have um, people that are specifically... Um, uh, trained to support organisations in developing apprenticeships in Oxfordshire. In in Oxfordshire, yeah. <laughs> I'm in Bucks. So you're in Bucks. So, so I'm just thinking. Well, I know you, Rob. Well, and I know true. Leona. So yeah. I'm thinking. Actually, I'm <laughs> so I, I guess um, depending on where you are in the country, or at least in England, um, local enterprise partnerships in the main, and that each LEP has a certain economic priority. So um, uh, Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire have very similar sector strengths, um, industries that are particularly strong, they're going to be very different to Cumbria, for example, yeah. or um, Northumberland. Um, so, uh, you know, LEPs, LEPs are there to support businesses to understand the opportunities that apprenticeships can, can offer. Um, so that, that's one side of it. And also it's our role to try and get young people to understand that, you know, there's not just one route to success. You can, you can do so mm. many different apprenticeships. I don't know whether it's worth the owner coming in at, at this point. Is, can, can the microphone reach her? 
It does if I hand it over to her. Fantastic. I feel a bit shy. No, you'll, you'll be fine. Just, I don't even know how to hold it. Will you just hold so it? So I, I guess. Really, <laughs> I do. I suddenly I feel like a like a Sky broadcaster. Don't wait, don't wobble it around too much. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I can hear it in the headphones. Yeah. So Leona um, started with us in February last year, so February 2018, as a PR and communications apprentice. Um, the one thing I would recommend is if you do an apprenticeship, um, or as a business, sorry, if you create an apprenticeship role, you really need to make sure that you align your apprenticeship with a provider that absolutely gets right, the industry. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. we're working with um, a PR um, industry leader in the PRCA, and they created a, a, um, a degree apprenticeship, a level four apprenticeship right. um, it's for, degree. it's not a degree no. apprenticeship. Is it not? Go on, Leona, tell us what it is. As well as being a PR and comms apprentice, Leona's also an apprenticeship ambassador for Oxfordshire, so that's the context, really. And what does that involve? Um, what, the ambassador thing? Yeah. Um, basically going into schools and businesses and talking about apprenticeships and why they're a good idea. So what was your route to becoming an apprentice? Um, so I went, stayed on at school, um, got my A-levels, but my A-levels weren't great, and actually I was in sixth form for three years. So I struggled a bit, um, even though I'd always been quite sort of academic and I'd got good GCSEs. Um, and then I just felt like I had to go to university because that was the done thing. Um, everyone was filling out their UCAS forms, so I did the same thing. Um, I couldn't find a course at uni that I wanted to study, so I, I changed several times. I was going to do economics, then I was going to do psychology, and then um, in the end I decided that actually I was I was all right at textiles, so I was going to do a fashion and textiles course. Um, and so I went off to uni at Portsmouth, um, did a fashion sort of course for about three months and then actually went do you know what this isn't for me um I just I don't know it, it didn't suit me the the course wasn't what I thought it was going to be I suddenly realized actually while I am interested in fashion it's not the be all and end all and it's not something that I necessarily want as a career um and also the way of learning wasn't for me because even though I was academic um, I actually quite like having a routine. I like getting up in the morning and going to work um, and doing my hours and then going home at the end of the day as opposed to having this sort of lull where you're not doing anything and you're going out a lot and then all of a sudden it's deadlines. And and then so I left and I looked for an apprenticeship um, and I saw there was one in PR and I'd always been quite interested in it but I didn't really know what PR was. Um, and so I did a bit of research and I sort of thought social media events, that sounds like something that I'd enjoy. So I applied um, and then I got the job at the LEP and it's honestly been the best thing ever um, for me. And it's some, something that as an indecisive person, um, usually if I make a decision, I then have to really think, oh, was that a good idea? I've never even sort of questioned whether my apprenticeship was the best thing. Um, I've got a, found, a foundation degree equivalent, not degree. No, there we go. Um, yeah, I, found, you know, I, I knew degree was in there. That was 50% right. Uh, um, 
you, you can give me a degree of friendship yeah, yeah. Um, I get paid and um, I do a job I love and I've got a lot more experience than a lot of my friends who are at university so I, have, yeah. I mean I have to say having met you you're very impressive in your role you're very good at it well, uh, well you're, you're, you're young <laughs> really? and you're, you're young and you're a trainee right but I mean my interactions are, you know when I'm working with you as an organisation you're my client yeah, mm. you know what we need as, as a photographer in particular. I need clarity. I need to know what's going on. I need to know what you need. I need to know I've achieved it. I need paying. <laughs> all these kind of things. Um, so there's uh, all sorts of aspects to that that make it successful. You know, the, the planning is 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 right up there. But also on the ground on the day, the relationship I have with you, and yeah. you'd be surprised what a huge impact that has. I think. Yeah. I'm not sure you'd see it. You you know it. You mm. actually know it because, yeah. as you've already said, you employ someone like me or other agencies that you work with partly because the customer service. I'm still looking. I just took the notes down as you said it. But it's the same the other way around. That relationship with you makes it possible to take those pictures. I mean, where were we the other day? In Ice. You remember the company Ice? Yeah, yeah. In there? And I'm taking my pictures at Cryogenics Company mm. and I'm taking the pictures and at the same time I'm relying on you guys to be looking at what's next. You're looking at what I'm actually taking because in your mind, hopefully, you're going like, that's okay, that's a useful shot. I've got, what do we have? Some, we had some work placement students that yep. uh, we were taking pictures of. Um, clearly, you're looking, you probably aren't seeing necessarily what I'm seeing through the camera, but in your head, you're counting it down. We're working to a timeline because we have to be at the next company. And all of this, all of this flowing through the day has got to be done in a way that feels professional to the company we're in professional to the people I'm pointing a camera at, professional to me, and ultimately my role is to be professional with you. There's quite a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, It's, it's not as straightforward as people think. No, and, and, and particularly, um, I, I think, I mean, ultimately, and, and I've really tried to emphasise this with, with Leona, not just with photography, but also when we run events, if we've got a PR story that we're pushing in the time, uh, at the time, um, it's really important for people to be briefed properly. Yep. Um, ultimately, as a photographer, you need to understand, and a lot of it has come with time, so probably if we were a year in or six months into our relationship, you, you would be sussing me out and I'd be sussing you out to a certain degree. Yeah. But I think you, you know, there, there's a certain amount of um, requirements as, a, as an organisation to ensure yeah. that you're... Um, the agency you use is fully briefed and understand you know exactly what you what you're looking for. Here's a, here's a question for you though, uh, for for both of you. Sorry, we've brought you in now, Leona. Yeah. The, you, you've got the not getting away from uh, How do you prevent complacency? And and, and I genuinely, this is yeah. a useful insight for photographers. But I'm asking you genuinely, how do I, as your agency, I, <laughs> stop you know any chance of complacency? I, I, I think there's a certain level of honesty. Um, so if you're, and this isn't just for photographers, I think this is for any external agency that you use. If there's something which doesn't meet your brief or um, you're unhappy with, you, you, you have to communicate that. Mm. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to go down a, you know, a written or verbal warning type of approach, but I think you have that honest conversation with people and say, actually, do you know what? I prefer imagery to be in a particular style or you know it needs to communicate a particular message so you need to have that honest discussion with with people it's the same with you know um whether it's website development whether it's 
um, design from a publication point of view. You need you you need your your brand and your identity to come across in in a really strong way, and that can only happen through honest discussion. Um, the other point I was going to mention mention at the start, in fact, is. Um, there are a number of agencies that I've brought across multiple employments. So it's not just photography; yeah. it's also design. Yeah, you're not special. special. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to sorry to destroy that myth, Paul. Um, but it's a, you know across different agencies. So it, you know it's but a lot of that comes with with honesty, you know. And um, I, I'm and it's happened on a number of occasions with us. You you know you've been quite honest with us. If only a couple of months ago when. Um, you know, it's, it's a really nice sunny summer day now. We scheduled a shoot um, when the weather wasn't so good. <laughs> it was said, dire. It was horrific. <laughs> and, you know, you, you, you messaged me in the morning to say, do you really want this to go ahead? And I probably probably foolishly said, yeah, do you know what, let's, let's do it. Um, there are some images actually from mm. that shoot that we will use. Yes, I, I thought that. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Um, they are in there. They, they are in there. And, um, you know, some of the locations that we go to, they weren't as weather reliant. I don't know whether that's a phrase that we can, that, that sums it up best. But, um, you know, we, we can make use of those images. That, a, a wet Tuesday in Oxfordshire. A wet Tuesday in Oxfordshire in the middle of June. I, I should be. clarify, the reason I rang you to say, do you want to go ahead, is to save you some budget. That, it wasn't me trying to wriggle out of it and get paid. <laughs> I was simply saying, look, you know, if you're not going to get images you use, I'd much rather we called it. I've got a ton of work I can get on with. Yeah. You can have the day later. Yeah. And it saves you your budget. You know? Absolutely. And, and yeah, um, you, you really did emphasise that, which was, <laughs> which was great. But actually, we got some really good shots. In, we, in the end, you were right to keep it. Yeah. We got the shots, or some. Yeah, I don't think it's as productive as it could have been. You know, bright blue, a blue sky day would have been better. Yes, yeah, uh, but I, it was still a good shoot, I think. Yeah. Uh, but rolling out forwards, what was quite interesting, of course, is then I then you cut us loose, Rob. You oh, cut us nice. loose. Yeah, yeah. Me Your and Leona, yeah, yeah. Me and Leona on our own photographing pigs. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think a lot of that is around trust, actually. And that's something which we'll, we'll never get to do it again. No, um, I I suddenly feel like I'm being parented. It was an interesting was, experiment, but you won't be like that again. Though. I so, so I guess there's two elements there. One is as we've uh, mentioned previously, I've worked with you for a number of years now, so you know I, I trust you, you know, absolutely. Um, with Leona, obviously, <laughs> it's slightly different. There's not, there's not, there's not a but there. Don't worry. Um, we. How do you feel now, Leona? It, I, I think the really important point around apprenticeships actually is, um, you know, as an apprentice and their journey, um, you know, once it starts and as it progresses, there's a certain amount of trust that you need to build with with your apprentice. So you need to let go of a lot of things. So. Um, that was part of that process as well. So, I, you know, working closely with Leona, I know that she understands our brand. Um, she's she's worked with you on yeah. you know a number of different photo shoots now. Um, so actually, do you know what? As a as a line manager, I need, need to be saying to to Leona, do you know what? You're in a good position now. Just take care of it, really. You know, and um, you know, in fact, for over the past year. Um, you've probably done maybe a dozen or so shoots with us. Yeah. The House of Commons stuff that we that we do, yeah. um, the uh, the businesses that we go into, um, 
all different types of briefings that you receive from us. You've probably created three quarters of those briefs, haven't you? I think yeah. so. And actually, then you just ch- check them over. Yeah, I, I can always tell when the owner's sending a brief over because it looks like it was freshly written. Yeah. Aww. When you send one over, it looks like a cut and paste job from the last. And week. I and I think that it, has happened co- on a couple of occasions. <laughs> Some commons. Maybe, that was a house of commons. It was a house of commons. Yeah. And the thing is, we've worked together so long. I kind of it's fine, you know. I, what I'm looking as, actually, what I'm looking for these days is a briefing, and you kind of do this, and you were very good actually on the on the the farm college shoot. Is I'm looking for the exceptions. I know what the norm is. I've done it with you a lot of times. You know, I know I can work my way into a scene. I mm. kind of you need some a couple of establishment establishing shots. You're going to need some interaction shots. You're going to need a good face shot. You know, front on if I can do it. You want to show whatever is the particular subject. In this case, it was apprenticeships. It was college students, wasn't it? College students yeah. on apprenticeships. Yeah. Uh, and then what I'm actually looking for as a brief is the outliers, the bits that I'm not going to spot. And there was one. I think you dragged me back. No, can you take a picture of that sign on that wall for the me? Plaque. The plaque. The plaque. And the, the hydropole. Yeah. Then and the hydropole. <laughs> the hydropole didn't work because no. there was no one in it. No. Uh, a pool of water. It turns out is not photogenic, no. and it fogged up the cameras anyway. It's a proper yeah. going in there is different. Uh, but it was right to try it. Uh, whereas things like the plaque, I wouldn't have taken that picture. But no. of course, that's really useful to you. For us, yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I, it wouldn't have figured in my mine necessarily yeah. so actually you've got the hang of it you know and, we, and we've used that as an example haven't we yeah, for yeah. other like, openings of yeah. things it's funny isn't it you know i won't necessarily see your usage yeah of the pictures i will see the public facing stuff yeah yeah you know that the, the shot of the oxford skyline and things that we mm. took that day and the little stupid things like that i'll see yeah but when you're using them as education pieces behind the scenes i won't see it so it's really you know you are really good as a client oh. yeah um, the, the, i mean you're dead right i think the uh, the, the context is is really really important mm. um, you know and I think you've been quite kind to us because there's, there's a number of occasions where you know we've asked you to take photographs of roundabouts and <laughs> slip roads and things like that which I appreciate is probably not your normal thing no, um, but I guess from a and again apologies for going back to a little bit of um, key messaging um, but as a local enterprise partnership, and they'll all face exactly the same, they need to try and communicate to their... <laughs> you're very good, Rob. He's I, so I'm very PR, good. Yeah. isn't it? I, You can see I've, I'm meeting yeah, yeah. a train. Your, your, uh, boss, your boss will see this as value added. He, I, won't, he won't see it as you giving okay, up a morning. It's going straight in an email to him, you know. Um, <laughs> tick, 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 tick. <laughs> it's really important that we actually try and portray our role as an organisation. So it's yeah. to attract funding from from normally from government to go into key schemes in in oxfordshire and you can only really do that through photography um and and film that's the better at least that's the best way of getting it across um i did i did donate you in a a winter's morning if i remember correctly yes you did i did i went back and photographed that flipping roundabout at dawn so that it was a clear blue day, so it had those really sparkly And we've lights. used that photo so many times oh, yeah. as well. And then, and I'm glad, because it... And then I went across and photographed the sun rising, I think, didn't I, from the hill? I went to Bursford in uh, Bursford, West Oxfordshire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I was up at four o'clock or something, ridiculous. Yeah. Because we hadn't done it... The day we'd briefed, it had done it again, hadn't it? It had rained. Yeah, I hate to tell you, I was in the Canary Islands at that time. Yeah, long thanks. Long ago. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I was yeah. stood on the, co- on the edge of a very cold roundabout yeah. with people looking at me weirdly. <laughs> I was in a lovely, lovely all-inclusive hotel. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm joking. It's a fairly well, ordinary. You got whatever else you, you, you know, I do work hard on your behalf. You do, yeah. Um, which is really important. 
I think. But no, you are, Leone, you're uh, a good client already. You know, and I, and I think that's all, 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 I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Well, it bodes well for the future, I think, both in terms of, um, uh, I think it's really important. What you, you're, you're a business at the end of the day. Yes. And other photographers listening to this are also, um, I'm guessing, businesses too. They better be. Yeah. <laughs> if I've banged on about one thing, business first, artistry second. Okay. So, you know, that organic growth is is massive, I think, for yeah. a small business like, like yours. And if you create a good experience for not just clients, but actually colleagues that I work with, yeah. i.e. Leona. Leona, you know, as much as we want Leona to stay for years and years after her, her apprenticeship, you know, she's ambitious. She's going to move on to to your, other organisations. Yeah. <laughs> Keep your What's your background? To, to be fair, we do talk about managing up and she's very good at that. Yeah. Um, if, if next time Leona's saying, I want a picture of Rob in the middle of the roundabout, you know your days are numbered. That's true. <laughs> um, it could happen. <laughs> but Leona's going to move on to, to other PR roles. She's going to have photography requirements within that business. And, you know, who, who are you going to call, as, as they say? Well, you're the prime example of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I did a week, I was laughing with, I don't know if I was laughing with you or with Leona, but I'd done eight days, and in eight days of those eight days, six days were all shoots where at some point I'd been, I was either directly working for you on that shoot, yeah. or it was with a client I'd previously, you'd taken me and I stayed. Oh, yeah. So I did you. Hearing yes. Dogs, Affinity, and then you guys, and I'd done a yeah. couple of shoots for each of them, I think. Yeah. So in eight days, I did six days that were entirely dedicated to Rob Panting. <laughs> yeah. Now that that should have had a plaque. That should have had a plaque. It's probably a sentence you'll very you'll seldom say again. I think as well. Probably. Yeah. That might cut that out. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure I want you that big head no. in in my podcast. But no. Yeah. No, it did, and it it showed neatly the importance of the relationships that you build. Because, yeah. Because I've you know I've stayed working with you. Yeah. And I guess I mean it's certainly a message. The reason I've wanted to stay with you, and I'm guessing there's the reciprocal of that, is you're easy to work with. Yeah. It makes, it means it gives me a framework in which to both create imagery and get paid for it mm. that I'm enjoying. You know, and, and you need, as an agency to you, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for clients who I enjoy spending time with, I enjoy creating imagery for. And likewise, my job is to make your life that little bit easier. I mean, you pay me, it's not, it's not a, you know, it's not free, it's not a charity. But the value you get should be greater than the, the money it costs. That's right. That's how it works. Yeah. And yeah. if we can make your lives easier, as photographers, if we can make our clients' lives straightforward, mm. you still have to be an artist. There's all that in there. I still have my creative hissy fits. You know, I'm not photographing Whitney in the rain. You know, <laughs> there are moments when I just know. Uh, but that's our job as, as suppliers is mm. to make your life a little bit easier and hopefully, you know, a bit nicer around the edges too. But I've, I've met some amazing people who make life easier, but don't make it nicer. <laughs> I no. Think they're, you know, they're out there too. No, exactly. Um, yeah, and, and ultimately, you know, anything that we can do, and this isn't our, our primary purpose of, you know, employing agency support, but if you work with a good agency, a good supplier uh, like you, it's if actually you meet new people through that relationship. So, you know, we go out to X number of businesses, um, if work comes off the back of it, fantastic. You know, you like to see, um, you know, people rewarded for that. Primarily, yeah. it's primarily we want to get the the, the right imagery. That's yeah. our number one objective. Yeah. But actually, if you work with good people, you want to see them actually 
progress. Uh, so, it's, I mean, I, I'm going to re, we're going to recap just a little bit, and then we're going to wrap up with a, a couple of quick questions. So, mm. you made it quite clear in your list that you had definitely thought about and written down customer service first, imagery quality second, yeah. ongoing relationship third. Yes. And I think all businesses probably should listen to that. And I've, we've said it a lot on the podcast. I've asked lots of people, would you prioritise, if you're setting up as a, as a photography business, would you prioritise business now or artistry? And they've all said business. So I, I guess if I'm bouncing that question back to you, mm. I'm guessing you're a better photographer now than what you were when you first started out. So the reason for saying that is your customer service has probably never changed. So I'm guessing when you had the idea about creating Paul Wilkinson Photography, having great customer service around getting images back to clients in a timely fashion, um, ensuring their Photoshop nicely, all of that stuff, uh, the initial inquiry when, when, you, when you speak to a business, um, you're shaking your head as though. I am shaking Okay, my head. yeah. So the, the point being, the quality, I think, will always build up and up. But the customer <laughs> service, the, the customer service at the start, if, if you have really bad customer service when you started your business. Yeah, you wouldn't have a second customer. You wouldn't have a second customer. No, that's absolutely true. Um, the reason I'm laughing and shaking my head, and Leon is laughing at me, uh, is actually that's a really interesting and rich theme of a conversation, which I wasn't anticipating this late in the podcast. Uh, is my imagery better now than it was? Yes, probably, I would think. It's certainly more experienced, but there are dangers with that. That's why I talk about complacency. Yeah. And it's not complacency in a bad way, it's just you get into a rhythm. So uh, a particular gig I'm doing with you, we're now doing regularly, are these uh, sort of think tanks, workshops in the Houses of Commons, yeah. the House of Commons, House of Parliament in London and it's a very particular room it's a very particular shape it's a very particular format and of course the danger is I'm just creating the same shots over and over and over because there's not an awful lot of latitude in there no. um, so that's what I mean by complacency how do I invent new shots and develop it so yes our photography has developed but I think I was probably more original when I started yes. than I am now because I only shot a few gigs so every shoot I was essentially pushing I need a consulting term damn me uh, pushing the envelope yeah. constantly developing um, so and now that's much harder because I suppose you never the finished article no but when you're working constantly invention is harder to find time for yes you know, and whereas at the beginning every shoot was a unique <laughs> new shoot I invented stuff all the time and and evolving as well yeah. I, I certainly yeah. think I've noticed in the you know seven eight years that I've worked with you you've evolved as a as a photographer as well oh yeah there's, there's you do but you have to consciously make an effort to do that I think yeah. Um, now I'm naturally bored, and that helps. So I get bored of taking the same shots over and over. So I go hunting for something new just to keep excited. So the, the, the photography side has evolved. There's no question. But I think actually, I I'm lucky in that I'm a people person, and so actually I always took photographs of people, and our customer service back then was me on a phone. You know, people would ring, it'd be me. People would email, it'd be me. I'm lucky that I was a people person because otherwise our customer service would have been shocking. So I didn't need to really think about it or it, we didn't have a strategy. Mm. I just picked up the phone and said, hello, how can I help? Um, in terms of service levels, 
I was better back then because we had fewer jobs on. So I would simply say, when do you want them by? And then hit the deadline because there wasn't an awful lot going on. You know, I was still building a business. I was building a website. So I was doing a marketing brand. And you find this at the beginning. And I'm about to do, I'm about to record a podcast on the fact that you start, you do start a business on faith and then run it on fear. So you yeah. start with this naivety. It's just me and a camera, pictures, clients. Yay! Say what I like, do what I like, because I'm still learning. Mm. And then you establish yourself and you have regular clients and then suddenly you become scared of losing them <laughs> and, and you work slightly differently. The customer service aspects actually came in as it was a it was a deliberate decision. It wasn't it wasn't something that was there at the beginning. So that it was just me and while I'm nice and I get on well with people, that's not the same thing as getting my invoices in on time. You know, there were aspects of it. Um, the briefing, I've always been hot on that because I worked as a consultant in the city and so actually being briefed was really important to me. It still is. So I would drive to make sure I'd got a brief. Why? Because I want to be able to succeed. And you can't succeed if you haven't got a target. That's why we're always hot on getting it. That's why I like your work mm. because you always give me a brief. If I've got a brief, I can either hit it or not. And if I don't, as long as I've had the conversation that says you wanted a sunny picture, it's raining, can't do it. Then I've still hit, I've just, you know, I've evolved the brief, but I've still hit it. Um, actually bringing in Sarah initially and then Michelle after that, that was where our customer service came from. So we do offer, they offer stunning customer service. I offer, I hope, a good customer experience. They're slightly different things. That's a good point, actually. I hadn't thought of those two different strands. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly would reiterate that. You know, I think you... Um, I'll be honest, you have your unique style, I think, in terms of <laughs> customer experience, but but in a massively positive way. But I think that's really, really important, and certainly the, the customer service, the day-to-day -day interaction. Yeah. Um, you know, you know that um, you're going to get a response from Sarah or Michelle yeah. in a yeah. timely fashion, which is really important yeah. as a as a client. Yeah. They, fi they filter... So if, if you said... And it's always... You won't know this is going on, but, it, I mean, you will... You'll know it really, but you don't see it. Mm. You know, if you said, "Is this shoot? Is the are these images possible?" Of course, you'll get an answer back from those guys, but it's come to me, um, or it will come back from me. Whereas if you said, "Can we book a date?" I don't even get involved in that no. anymore. But you will always get a rapid response, and I think photographers miss that element. You've got to be timely with your responses. You've got to be organised, and I'm not. That's the thing. I'm not like that. That's not the way I think. I see things like this. Hmm, nice picture. Yeah. <laughs> and that's no good to anybody until I'm actually on the ground taking a picture and then it has its huge value. So yeah. now I had the sense to realise that I needed help. Um, and it coincided with a time when Sarah wanted to do something different. And so, because she was in uh, marketing, so she has her calls in marketing. So that's how I see how we did it. So I think I, the biggest... Customer service. Yeah, yeah. The biggest single change in our business was bringing in customer service. Yeah. That customer-facing interface. Um, because it's... I'm... I hope, a nice guy. That's not the same thing as giving good, timely, accurate customer service. Yeah, and, and, and actually it's every element of life, isn't it? You know, if, yeah. you, go, if you go into a supermarket, you want good customer service. Um, if you don't get good, good customer service there, you're gonna to go to another oh, yeah. supermarket. So, you know, I the analogy laugh. works everywhere. I did laugh the other day. I went to get some help in Sainsbury's and I was eight feet away from the guy. I was about to ask for help and I could smell him. Oh, isn't no. it a funny thing? That was my whole perception of Sainsbury's that day. And I like Sainsbury's. I think it's a pretty good, yeah, isn't it funny? Mm. 
They've gone to all the effort of putting staff on the floor for customer service, yeah. right? He was there to help me. And my impression was, oh, you need a wash. Mm. Yeah. Isn't that awful? But it completely overrides everything. And there's nothing I could, you can't say to someone, you know, <laughs> go home, wash your hair, have a bath. <laughs> you can't, can you? Because I felt really rude. Mm. I felt really guilty for thinking it, but mm. actually, what do you do? Yeah. Other than go to the same with a blocked up nose. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I've got a couple of last questions. What would you consider to be your biggest success? Wow. That's a... You could say getting married. I don't well, care what it is. It's just something uh, that you just celebrate. Let's celebrate some success now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so does it need to be work related? No, it can or? be anything you like. But I mean, again, it's a photographer's podcast so it'd be nice if it was something they could use yeah um the the thing i've most enjoyed doing is i i i can have a conversation with people and within about 10 minutes it normally goes on to some sport context <laughs> um so cricket is my yeah. biggest passion followed by football um but from a cricket perspective i think my uh, the, the biggest achievement that I've ever had. <laughs> Leona's face is brilliant. I can't believe it? this. After all of this, that he's going on to cricket. Oh, well, this is true. Cricket, oh, time to work. cricket takes talent and a lot of dedication, a lot of time. Yeah. It's a muscle memory. So actually, I'm all for cricket. Jake plays cricket. Yeah. Awesome. So um, I'll give a shout out to my club, Shipton Under Witchwood. Um, have won the National Village knockout. On a, my, my American listeners, because we have more American listeners that we're going to like. Yeah. Tell me that name again. Okay, so ship, shipped and under which with Cricket Club. <laughs> it's such a good name, it, isn't it? It's, it's like it's straight off four weddings and a funeral. Well, it is. So your American listeners will enjoy this. Um, Sam Mendes, the James Bond director, played at shipped and under which You're probably yeah. not going to like reveal that. Oh right? no, he's he, he's. Well, it's his name. He is his name, yeah. and if you and if you're on the team, they're going to go find him. Now. Yeah. If, if he bowls, so they, they list you. Yeah. So that's the, there's your American link there. All right. Um, okay, let's put it in a, in, so into, into a sporting context. The, the thing that I've had most satisfaction from is being a captain of my cricket team. Right. Not necessarily because of the results that we get, because to be honest, as captain, we've lost more matches than won. Um, but going back to that people element, the fact that it's you that's coordinating people to come together and actually enjoy uh, a Saturday afternoon. So for again, for American listeners, cricket is, you can forget like your day on a Saturday, you are out for 12 hours. Um, I guess baseball's probably the most uh, likely comparison from an American perspective. Mm. Um, but I, I, I really enjoy the fact that I'm bringing people together to enjoy something that we all enjoy doing. And that was a lot of enjoys in one sentence. There was a lot of enjoys there. For someone that likes the written word. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I should be using it. We go on to word and use the, the thesaurus. Um, but I, I, I think that that gives me most satisfaction, actually, seeing people of all different ages coming together. Um, and, you know, if we win, we win. If we lose, actually, we're still having a good time together. So that whole people, it's going back to the customer ex experience yeah. stuff, Paul. Um, it's all about people it's it? all about people keep coming back there yeah uh, what's the biggest fuck up you've ever made oh crikey okay I may or may not decide to overdub that okay <laughs> yeah, <good plan. laughs> well, I, I, I probably can't say that word but um, I, I, <laughs> why I, well, 
I've 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 made so many I, I've so many stupid decisions. Um, I think, in fact, I have this conversation with a lot of people saying, yes, I can do that for you. I think you're going to talk about your wedding now. Like no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the best yes. That was the best yes I've good, ever said. Good. Yeah. Um, I think saying yes and over-promising... <laughs> Someone who didn't want to speak on the right no, no, you're doing a good job of being a third person. Yeah. I, um, actually, you, could, you can come and co-present with me these things. You're very good. Yeah, I like the little insightful jabs from the side. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really annoys Rob when I do that. Whenever <laughs> oh, we go I'm, to any meeting, I I'm, do that. I'm very laid back. Um, I think over-promising. So right. I guess from your perspective as well, if you're running your own business, you cannot over-promise because that will cause a, a poor experience for, for customers. I have a terrible ha- habit of trying to be nice to everyone mm. and I over-promise too many times. Yeah. Um, when I ever promise and don't deliver, that's when I get into trouble. Yeah. So that's that's happened on, you know, countless occasions. It still does, you know, to this day. Um, and I'm trying to be helpful where actually I need to learn to say no. Yeah. Actually, I can't do this. Yeah. It's not because of my capabilities. It's actually yeah. a number of factors, whether it's timing, whether it's resource, whatever it might be. We've just had a very similar conversation in here. Uh, which is, it wasn't so much over-promising as, because we will hit the deadlines. We have to hit the deadlines. The problem was I was exhausted. So, and what was happening was we were booking in the shoots and underestimating the finishing time on some of the jobs. And it, they all bunched up. And uh, it all came to head one Sunday evening when Sarah was cross, I couldn't go home. But I didn't do the scheduling, at which point... That's, you know, we need to sort this out. So now what we actually do is every job, the the actual processing and, and downstream work is all diarised as well. Yeah. So the job goes in, so do the hours to go with the job. And that ring fences, you know, helps us just, that's not realistic. Or if, if I have to do a job, I've got to understand that, you know, that weekend I'm going to work all weekend to, co- to cover it. And we, we can actually plan that out now. Mm. But yeah. you're right. It, it, we had a mantra, Accenture, always under-promise and over-deliver. Never over-promise and under-deliver. Yeah. Because it is, people get ratty with you. Mm. Mm, it's true. I never have with you, Paul. We've never under-delivered with you. That's no, exactly. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I mean. No, no, we've never... <laughs> no. <laughs> You've never delivered, Paul. No, no, no. Sorry. Well, I've never got cross with you for under-delivering, Paul. Thanks. <laughs> when, Hopefully because we've never under-delivered. No, as in, you, we've never... Uh, you've never got mad with me or I've, I, I, I've never got mad with you, you know. That was what I meant. This has taken a turn. Yeah. It has. Yeah. It has. This is just coming. We, we are now drawing the podcast to a close. Yeah. I'm going to just talk to the Leona. This is so much nicer. So much nicer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing better than a patronising, oh, in the corner. Anyway, uh, last question. Last question. I suspect, actually, there's, a, there's a, some stuff we can talk about around this. Uh, we've asked all of our podcasts guests to come with an idea of a book that I can go out and buy and add into it. What was it? It was meant to be a virtual library and it's now a real library because I've been going out and buying all these books. I love books. Uh, tell me a book you would recommend that we add to our library that photographers might find interesting. Okay, so I hate to bring it back to sport once again. You don't again. Mean, you, you <laughs> say this. You know yeah. when someone says, I don't mean to be rude and they're about to be. And it's very British. You, you isn't it? always British say, trait. "I hate to bring it back to sport," and I know yeah. you love it. Yeah, it's I your do. top topic. Topic. It, it, it is. So 
in fact, I've thought, thought of two different books. The first one I've mentioned to you previously, um, which we'll talk about. So Marcus Treskothic. Wait, there's no point in saying that on a podcast. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the first one okay. is... I'll start again. Okay. So... <laughs> I'm going to leave this uncut. I, I think there should be an uncut version. Um, this, so, is the, this is an, it's what's going on. I'm fine. doing it uncut. <laughs> so there's two books that I would recommend. Uh, uh, the first one is a book by uh, a former England cricketer called Marcus Trescothic, and it's called Coming Back to Me. Marcus Trescothic was probably the first sportsman to really talk about depression and anxiety um, at a top level. So you're talking about, and again, apologies to your American audience, but you're talking about, you know, the, this, this guy is sort of what Tiger Woods could be to golf, for example. He's yeah. the absolute, when he was at his best, he was the best batsman out there. Um, very well known throughout England, high performing guy, but very down to earth as well. And his autobiography focused on his anxiety and depression. So um, England as a national team, they go around the world and they play um, other countries that play cricket. So Australia, India, Sri Lanka, the West Indies, you know, really fantastic locations that you would love to go to. Um, but they spend three or four months away from home. And the book is about his struggles with that side of things. So being away from his wife, his young family, um, and gradually understanding that he had a mental health problem and he had to stop playing elite sport to address his anxiety and depression. So, um, you know, he was performing at such a high level, but he realized that the trigger for his depression and anxiety was playing elite sport. So the book is brilliant. It talks about all his different trigger points and how he how he discovered his anxiety and then how he had to withdraw from something that he loved. I guess it's ultimately like me saying to you, Paul, you have to stop being a photographer now, mm. like, like this instance, mm. to, this instance to move away from, um, to, to address, you know, a, a mental health issue that you have. So it was, it's an unbelievable, I'm not suggesting that you do. <laughs> I didn't uh, know I had one. No, no. Um, but I think what's happened since then in, I think it was 2008 that the book came out, um, the last 10 or so years, you hear more sportsmen now openly talking about depression and anxiety. Um, you've had a number of sportsmen take their own life, you know. So it's, it, it's a real, I, I think the old school attitude was, you're a sportsman, you're earning millions of pounds, you've got nothing to worry about. Well, actually, that's not the case. Yeah. Pressures come from all parts of your life. And, um, you know, I'm guessing particularly if you've got photographers who, who run small businesses, probably, you know, one person working for them, that being themselves, is having an awareness of where you're at, I think, is really important. And, and the book, I, I think it, it doesn't matter where you are, in life or what you're doing this book will resonate with a lot of people yeah I, 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 th I think you're closer you're closer to the truth than you probably know yeah uh, the psychology of being a creative out there on the front line is very similar I think to being a sportsman because you have you have two separate things going on in that 
I think it must be harder if you're a golfer, but if you're part of a team, you have the team psychology and we have the business psychology. And then you have your individual performance aspect. Why can't I create a great image this week? Why is it not working out? Why am I not seeing it? Why are these other people doing better than I am? Mm. And actually, it's very quick. You can, you can go from a high to a low, and I certainly do. Mm. You know, And I'm acutely aware that in our family, we've had a history of depression. And so I keep an eye on that. Yeah. Um, and I know, and, and, and our daughter has a little bit of awareness around it as well. The days we just want to cry, that's it. And you know, to have the freedom to do that and to understand it's just, in our case, it's to do with chemistry yeah. as much as anything else, as well as the psychology for me. And I think there's much greater awareness now around oh, yeah. mental health. You know, yeah. you've seen you know, Prince Harry and Prince William, they, mm. they're doing a lot of stuff to raise awareness of it, you know, whether you're whether you're a royal or you're not a royal uh, supporter, you know, actually, it's that um, awareness that's key, I think, to, to getting that across. Yeah. Um, the other book I was going to mention, well, it's a series of books, actually, is um, Sports Illustrated. Right. So, again, very, very image-dominated. Um, I've For years, I've collected um, uh, Sports Illustrated magazine. I haven't done it for quite a number of years now, but they're so image-led. Yeah. And, um, you know, you can pick up a newspaper and read a report about a football match or a cricket match or whatever it might be. Um, but actually, do you know what? Sometimes you just need that image to... Yeah. To it's sort of like the National Geographic of sports. It, it is, absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful, um, beautiful imagery. My, my favourite ever photo is um, from the World Cup in 1990, Football World Cup. Paul Gascoigne, um, he's holding his... England have just lost. Yeah, I remember the shot. Yeah, England have just lost the World Cup semi-final, um, and Paul Gascoigne's there crying, and he's got his shirt in his face. And this, I remember, I think it was in Sports Illustrated, but they discuss every different aspect of that shot. So the fact that he's mm. clearly upset about losing the biggest sports match of his life, but secondly, there's a lot of you know, um, patriotism in that shot. Yeah. So he's he's got the England shirt on and he's almost like kissing the shirt as yeah. well. It's just Is, is that the same match where there's another shot? I think it's of... Um, oh, names always escape me. Presents match of the day. Gary Lineker. So it's a shot of Gary Lineker shouting across to the manager. Yes. It's that match. Exactly the same game. Yeah. yeah th this means nothing to anyone listening to the podcast. There's me gesticulating. But he's pointing at Gascoigne and pointing at the manager saying, keep an eye on him. Yep. So that was, um, so so basically Paul Gascoigne, uh, again, apologies for non-football fans, but um, he received his yeah. second. Le Leona's now on a phone. Le yeah, She's exactly. Yeah. She's looking oh, for no, it. Oh, no, I'm looking for yeah. it. I'm looking yeah. for All it. Right. I'm looking for the photo. I'm still in the room. Yeah. It's fine. Um, so uh, Paul Gascoigne has just been booked so a yellow card That's right. and he, he couldn't play the final he couldn't play in the final because of that he's 22 years old 23 at the time probably the best player in the world at that point not potentially being able to play in the biggest match Bobby Robson is the England manager and Gary Lineker is probably one of the more senior guys in the England team I think he was captain wasn't he, he may well have been captain I think he was captain um and he's, he's he's very close to the touchline, as you say, and he's he he's basically um, saying to Bobby Robson, he's sort of pointing towards him, saying, you know, keep an eye on him, yeah. Paul Gascoigne, and this is where the the emotion started, I think, yeah. for for the remainder of that game, um, and yeah, it's a brilliant. There's there's still yeah. shots, there's yeah. moving imagery around it, um, 
Yeah, it, I, I think it shows actually sport. I'm one of these people that I, I don't sit down and watch many dramas, I have to say. But um, sport in itself is, when you get sport right, I don't think there's anything better. And this is coming two days after England have won the well, Cricket it was, World it was Cup. Well, it was such a day, wasn't it? Because yeah. there was... Uh, and Wimbledon. There's Wimbledon, uh, Silverstone, if you're in the UK, of course, you know, the English Grand, or the British Grand Prix, and then the cricket. Yeah. And in fact, um, talking of, of imagery, I think... And again, you know, uh, people read all different newspapers. Um, but the Times newspaper yesterday caught the exact moment that England had won the game. So, um, you know, the wicketkeeper is running out the New Zealand batsman at that exact moment, a yeah. moment of victory. Yeah. And the still shot is better than the moving image, in my opinion. Yeah, I think at so. At that point, because you, you're capturing the exact... Yeah moment yeah and there's all sorts of different photographs of you know the england team and you know their reactions so um image i think when photography is right it is the best medium out there i think so because it, it doesn't it doesn't it's not a documentary moving images are a documentary still images play in your head they evoke stuff because you imagine it, you can't, mm. it's not, it doesn't give you everything, it just gives you enough signals to create this whole thing in your head. So I think stills are more powerful. I'm with you on that. Yeah. But I would be, I'm a photographer. <laughs> oh, you are. Thank you, Rob. It's, a, Pleasure, it's such a joy. It's a joy to have you as a client. It's a joy to have you. I think these days you would count as a friend. Uh, Likewise. I love, I love working for you. I love working around you. I think what you do is brilliant. Uh, and uh, so it's my pleasure to have interviewed you. And actually, it's really nice that you came prepared and thought about the things that would help a photography business. Okay. So that's, well, that's, that's, that's the key messaging coming across there. So thank you very much, and I look forward to our next gig. Cheers, Paul. Thank you. And so there you go. That should not be too much of a surprise. Customer service is going to win out every single time. Uh, a lovely interview. I hope you found that useful. Uh, the books that Rob mentioned, the first and most important, is a book called Coming Back to Me. It's by uh, an English crit- cricketer called Marcus Trescothic. That's Marcus Strascothic. Str- str- <laughs> I can't even say it. Marcus Strascothic. Um, and it's all about his dealing with uh, fame, fortune, and the pressures of being uh, high profile in sport. A really, really good read. I will put the links to that down below. <laughs> and the second item is not so much a book as uh, as magazine, Sports Illustrated. Um, now, I haven't been able to find links to that as such. Of course, you can still subscribe. This is still a very popular magazine. Uh, I will put a link to the website uh, itself, um, but I'm not sure I'm going to be able to add that to the library unless somebody wants to donate me a whole chunk of um, secondhand old uh, copies. I'll see if I can find some and maybe some will get in there. Uh, If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe. Uh, We are available on all of the major platforms, anywhere you take your podcasts. Uh, iTunes, of course, is the most important. Uh, We're on Spotify, we're on Podbean, uh, we're on Radio Public, we're on Stitcher, and we have just confirmed uh, we're now available in Canada and the US on Google Play. So if you're an Android user, you can use the Google Play uh, music app. Uh, We're listed, just search for Mass portrait photography that's a real change for us i'm really happy that that has finally happened 
Uh, please do leave us a review. Uh, reviews, the best place to leave reviews is iTunes. I ask for this every single episode. Uh, and it's really lovely when some of you do, uh, because of course it helps others to find this podcast. Please also share this podcast. If you think somebody else would enjoy it, then why not tell them? Don't keep it a secret to yourselves. Uh, I'd like this to be a very big uh I'd like us to, well, I'd like us, well, I'd just like to feel popular, all right? It's, it's nothing more than that. Uh, a lot of work goes into recording these and doing the interviews, uh, and it'd be really nice to know uh, that there are lots of people out there listening. If you have ideas, and some of you have been emailing in, which is really nice, uh, we've had the most lovely feedback. And of course, some ideas of how we can do things differently. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, my email, my personal email is paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. That's paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. You can always uh, email me there and I always try to get back to people. Um, if you don't hear back, it might simply be that I've missed the email. It's ended up in junk. So don't feel bad. Uh, just resend it or ping me, DM me on uh, Instagram um, or any other channel you can find me. So the sun is shining. It's time to go for a beer. And so while you're sitting there thinking about all aspects of customer service and why it's so important, remember, be kind to yourself. Take care. <laughs>